Have you ever done anything, like, rebellious? <laughs> Besides, like, talk back to my mom. <laughs> you can do better than that. You've got a rebellious um, streak in you. I feel it. So, all right. I, you know, probably, you know, had had the blues a little bit, you know, in college. It was maybe a little, little sad, you know. This is a, a rough start to an episode. Well, so, like, I would, like... <laughs> skip class sometimes because they'd be like i'm too sad to go to class but then my teachers would be like they would like pick on me for it and so i'd just get pissed at them so i'd turn into this thing where i was like well i don't now i don't want to go to class because because <coughs> i hate you wow <clears throat> is that rebellious i mean it's rebelling against uh peace of mind <laughs> happiness yeah. rebelling against mental health <laughs> yeah yeah, that's how I that's how I dealt with things, Emily. <laughs> you rebelled. I rebelled. <laughs> Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Hey everybody, welcome to Butter No Parsnips. I'm Kyle Imperator. And I'm Emily Moyers. And today, we are rebelling. Yeah, I'm punk. I got my mohawk. It's a reverse mohawk. So oh. it's rebellious against punk culture. That's how crazy it is. <laughs> Rebellious against attractiveness. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, what's your word today? Kyle, it's a great word. The mm -hmm. word today is agitprop. <gasps> A-G-I-T-P-R-O-P. Agitprop. Oh. I feel like there's a chance you've heard this word. Oh, I definitely have. But I yeah. can't remember at all what it means. I've just got whiffs of... <laughs> It's different etymological sense. <laughs> oh, God. That's how it's pronounced? You could also say agate prop. Just neither of those sound right. <laughs> agate prop. Can I ask for the language of origin? Is it like, I don't know, Russian? Kyle, you got it. <laughs> it's Russian. It is wow. Russian. Wow. Yeah, like it gives me like a like a Russian... Soviet spy <laughs> feeling. That's what I get from it. Yeah. Is it is it used in like Soviet spy propaganda? I have no idea what it means though. Is it an adjective? It is a noun. Oh, it's a noun. Something can be an agitprop. I would say something can be agitprop. You can use it countably, but not as often. Gotcha, gotcha, it's usually gotcha, gotcha, uncountable. Gotcha. I mean, does it just mean oh, oh, oh. I can use it. I can get a hint. I want my, you I would can, like to use my hint You can cash in your hint. <laughs> the hint I have for you, although you've sort of already gone there, the hint I have for you is party. Oh, does it just mean like communist? No. How about this, Kyle? I will tell you <laughs> oh. that agitprop is a portmanteau and you've oh. said half of it. Oh, God. In trying to get this word, you have used one of the words that is the portmanteau. <laughs> Something okay, okay, all right, all right. The propaganda is yeah. the second part. Yeah, and, and honestly, part, I could give you the definition on that. <laughs> so, does it mean like some type of propaganda? It does mean some kind of propaganda. And because you said propaganda earlier, I'll give you the win. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, more specifically, agiprop refers to political propaganda disseminated through media such as literature, drama, music, or art. Oh. And historically, it is propaganda for the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. Yep, yep, yep. That is. Good old CPSU. But yeah, as I said, Agiprop is a portmanteau in Russian. It is a shortening of the Russian phrase. <clears throat> Get ready for my impression of yeah. the Google pronounce lady. I love it. Adiel agitatsi e propagandi. Oh, that was good. It's close. That was real good. It's close. It's probably not spot on, but it's close. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> anyway, what I just said was the Department for Agitation and Propaganda, which oh. was shortened in Russian to Agitprop and later adopted by English as Agitprop. I'm sure, Agit now makes sense like agitator. It is, yes, exactly. Yeah. So during the 1910s, 20s, 30s, roughly that time period, the Department for Agitation and Propaganda put out a variety of media, which we'll talk about a little bit later, all with the goals of agitation and propaganda. And within the operations of the Communist Party, these words meant two different things. Agitation and propaganda yes. meant different things from each other or meant different things from how we use them? No, different things from each other. Do you have any guesses? Well, I do just want to say, like, real bold to have a propaganda ministry, you know? <laughs> well, we'll talk about it in a minute. Okay, okay. Well, agitation is to, like, stir up trouble, and propaganda is to, like, quell the masses. That's my guess. Sure, that's a fair guess. Agitation was aimed at people who were not yet in the Communist Party, whereas oh. propaganda was aimed at people who were already party members. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes Subtle sense. difference. But yeah. that's why it's agitation and propaganda. Sure. But when I was looking into this, I noticed that the Russian words agitatsi and propagandi are very close to our English words agitation and propaganda, yeah. which I thought was weird given that Russian is a Slavic language and English is not. Yeah, definitely strange. <laughs> Kyle, do you have any thoughts on language of origin for those two words? Are they Russian? Is that where we get the words from? No. Is it like Polish? No, no, no. They were they English first. They were English words first, but we got them from further back. Oh, I have no idea then. They are both Latin words, romance words. Oh, okay. Wait, yeah. I'm so confused. How did Russia get them then? So agitation, we borrowed it. Where, where from... did they steal them from? <laughs> no, <laughs> Their no, covert the, operations. The, the language word is borrowed. <laughs> we borrow <laughs> words. <laughs> English borrowed it from the French agitation, which I think mm. in turn got it from the Latin agitatio. And it looks like the oldest sense of the word, at least in French, referred to physical agitation, sure. um, like the state of being moved back and forth or shaken violently. And that meaning came from Latin to French, and there are nearly identical words across all of the Romance languages and then other nearby languages like English and German all used it in that sense of physical agitation. The usage of agitation, meaning a disturbance of the mind, like to feel agitated, oh actually yeah. came about in English and was later adopted back by other Romance languages. But the usage of agitation, meaning political agitation, like a stirring up of ideas or public concerns, seems to have come about in 
German came to Russian through German and then later came to English through Russian. Oh. So it like circled Europe wow. and came back around to us. <laughs> wow. It's real tour of the world there. I did. Agitation, uh, big world traveler. <laughs> <laughs> also based on recent happenstances on international flights, it sounds like <laughs> agitation really is getting around. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Kyle. <laughs> Biting commentary. <laughs> <laughs> a propaganda is a, a neo-Latin word, meaning the Latin that was used by scholars in the 1500s, 1600s rather than classical Latin. Yeah, you know, it's fun when you come across, I, I honestly, maybe embarrassingly so, <laughs> didn't realize until recently that when, I, when you see some of these other types of Latin that some of them are just like the made up Latins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is the Latin that like Europeans were using way later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And propaganda is just the neo-Latin word for to propagate. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Its first use was in the name of an administrative body similar to Agiprop, which I thought was funny. The great. Congregatio de Propaganda Fide or the Congregation for Propagating the Faith. Oh. This, this was uh, a Taoist organization. <laughs> yeah, you got it. No, this was a congregation of the Catholic Church created in 1622 with the goal of spreading the Catholic faith to non-Catholic parts of the world. And over time, the word propaganda broadened from this specific case to mean any dissemination of ideas. And originally, it did not have any negative connotation. It just meant getting the word out. Getting the word know? out. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it is like cool. And it, it does like you you were asking, like, it's crazy to have a department of propaganda, but like, right. it didn't necessarily mean evil propaganda. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's just become that way because people have used information as a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was difficult to tell when it got the negative connotation that it has today. I came across a citation from the 1920s where a writer was talking about how propaganda had a negative meaning in America, but not so much in Europe at that point. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it sounds like it happened in America first, but as for when that transition happened, either in America or in Europe, different sources said vastly different years, so I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I remember, like, in my history class, I, I remember, like, that being, like, a buzzword that we had to learn when we were talking about, like, at least World War Two. Yeah, the latest one, the latest time period that I saw was World War Two. but then other sources yeah. said, like, the 1800s, 1700s, Whoa. so I oh, really don't okay. know. It could it could have been any time. It probably happened slowly. Yeah, and because of like the, of the way media moved back then, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I would imagine Soviet propaganda at least slightly contributed to the negative yeah. connotation. A little bit. That it has Kyle. When I say Soviet propaganda, what comes to mind? Paint me a word picture. I mean, immediately I'm thinking big, big, big picture of uh stalin yeah red black and gray you know real minimalist like an album cover for a philip glass album you know yeah i mean kyle uh, literally spot on oh good <laughs> <laughs> like i mentioned agitprop took a variety of 
forms, a variety of media. Posters were certainly a big one. And I was literally going to try to describe that art style that you were just oh, describing. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of, I feel like it's like sort of vaguely art deco because it was the 20s, yes, yes. but with a lot of black and red and a lot of like harsh faces, harsh lines, yeah. stark colors. It's like if the Death Star met Art Deco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or it's like if you envision like the Big Brother is watching you poster. It's like right. that. It's sort right. of like how 1984 feels. Yes. <laughs> so posters were definitely a big thing. Newspapers, they had a bunch of communist publications. The mm. Communist Party's official publication was called Pravda or Truth. Yikes. <laughs> uh, but like Pravda Social, we should get that started, huh? <laughs> <laughs> there were also uh, oral agitators, which was uh, like a Gross. network vile, Emily. <laughs> Kyle, <laughs> just saying what they're thinking. <laughs> the the oral agitators were basically like a network of people who dressed in uniforms and traveled to the countryside to try to bring Russian peasants like into the folds to teach them about communism and try oh, to bring okay. them into the party. I, I guess a lot like how the Catholic organization uh, yeah. went out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's all, it's that's, that's agitation. That's getting I to guess, the people that you don't already have. I guess, are those all just crusades? Can we just call <laughs> the Soviet Union a part of a Soviet crusade? <laughs> Soviet crusade? I guess a little. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're really painting a bold stroke when you say crusade, though. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I'm sure they had an inquisition if you look <laughs> hard enough. <laughs> I don't think you have to look that hard. <laughs> but it does seem like a big goal of Agitprop was reaching those peasant communities in rural parts of Russia. Their sure. publications didn't just spread communist ideals, but they would also like disseminate modern techniques of agriculture. And they also ran a huge literacy campaign. Because they were a lot, they were like, boy, there's all these people that our propaganda isn't reaching because they can't read. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we got to teach everybody how to read. <laughs> huh. So there was unintended positive consequences. <laughs> yes, yes, that is how a lot of Russians' peasant community became literate. <laughs> but the biggest example of their outreach to the countryside is the agit trains. <sighs> I'm just, I'm really trying to get in my mind what I want an agit train to be like. I mean, yeah. Immediately, my immediate thought was like one of those magnet trains, but instead of it being very smooth, it's very rough. <laughs> just, <laughs> just vibrating violently, vibrating. constantly. Yeah, yeah. You're just like in it like you're in a blender. Yeah, that is like physical agitation, agit <laughs> yeah, train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, but it's got a theme song. <laughs> They're and really on branding the front of it. it there's an angry Thomas the Tank Engine face. Yeah. <laughs> the theme is just the Thomas the Tank Engine in minor. Yeah. And like so loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Deafening. Blaring. Yeah. <laughs> but no, these were political agitation trains. These were locomotives. The sides would be like brightly painted with that same kind of a poster art. Yeah. Of like, you know, groups of people all standing together with their pitchforks raised, I yeah, guess. <laughs> with their, with their closed fists. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. They would uh, distribute posters out to the countryside and they would actually have printing presses on board the train oh, so they could wow. print more. I, this isn't from 1984? No, this is from 1924. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So the first wow. Agit train was launched in 1918. They had close counterparts of the urban Agit streetcar. The aquatic Agit boat continued wow. in limited use through the 1920s. Wow. Yeah. And they would have, they, so they'd have like a printing press on the train and they'd like go to a town and hear the town's problems and print posters that would specifically hit home for this town. So crazy. Yeah. But also absolutely doable. And now I'm terrified. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's targeted ads, you know? They did yeah. it. They did it before Facebook. <laughs> yeah. They got the whole meta thing. Like Down wrapped pat. up a hundred years ago, and it wasn't what are we just... paying Mark Zuckerberg for. We need to give <laughs> we some. We need to we give just some. Got to get the Bolshevs on it. <laughs> we need to get to give some credit to the Bolsheviks for what they've contributed to our society. <laughs> That's right. Um, and it wasn't just still images. They would have film projectors on the train, and they would have like theater cars that would show communist films and newsreels right there on the train. Huh. You know, it's so funny. I was just talking about Cheez-Its, and there's a Cheez-It movie in this communist <laughs> theater. <laughs> what a crazy coincidence. Yeah. And all the Cheez-Its are, like, banding together to overthrow the <laughs> Cheez-It king. Huh. <laughs> That's <Wow>. weird. <laughs> the trains would also have sort of open cars that were, like, stages where speakers would give presentations and agitprop theater troops would perform. All right, now you're speaking my language. Uh, yeah, so there were several troops and playwrights that would write and perform little dramas that encouraged communist ideals. Troops included one called Blue Blouse, another one called Left Column. Playwrights include... Bertolt Brecht. Yeah, that makes sense. Bertolt Brecht, for those who don't know, a German playwright who... Do you know anything about him, Kyle? I did not know much. Um, I know the word Brechtian, um, but that's... I've never read a Brecht play. Well, you might not want to, because <laughs> in the 1920s and 30s, he got very into Marxism. You're talking about Groucho, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Groucho Marxism. <laughs> in 1926, he put on a play called Man ist Man, usually translated as Man Equals Man. This was supposedly a comedic play that tells the story of a porter in British colonial India named Galligay who gets like press ganged into joining the British army and mm -hmm. then is like molded into the ideal brainwashed cookie cutter soldier. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically the play is said to be praising Bolshevik collectivism. Oh, that what you just described to me, I did not immediately say, yes, this is a positive. Like I was like, oh, it. <laughs> Oh, I guess they didn't want people to do that, and that's why they were depicting it. Why would you depict it? There's no way that that... How do you positively depict that? <laughs> I don't get it. I guess if it's a comedy, maybe they're like they're making light of it. Emily, read me chapter... Read me, read me the third act of this play, please. <laughs> What's the 11 o'clock number? <laughs> <laughs> well, so... And also, in 1930, he put on a cantata... no. no. Which, no. correct me if I'm wrong, is like a mini opera. Okay, I, I mean, it's usually like without staging. So it's just like sung. It's like a, like a staged reading with songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I'm trying to think, do I know a Bertolt 
Brecht. Like, do I know what you're going to say? But say it. I, certainly, there's a lot of other works. This is like yeah, part yeah. of a time in his life where he was yeah. just really into communism. We've all had that time. Oh, yeah. We've all had that time. It's called The Decision. And it's about a group of Russian agitators who go to China to like spread the revolution, but in secret because they can't, they'll be kicked out by the Chinese if they get caught. One of them F's up and jeopardizes the whole mission. And the others are like, ah, man, the only way we can save this is to kill you and destroy your body so that you can't be found. And the guy's like, oh, man. You guys are right. You gotta kill me. And that one is said to be in praise of the Red Terror when the secret police started disappearing people. Oh, I am sorry. My mouth is agape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. Brecht was like, no, no, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Sometimes you gotta die for the cause, whether you want to or not. <laughs> whether it's right for you to die or not. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Emily. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I, this is like really hitting close to home right now in 2024, in our the year of our Lord 2024. <laughs> year of our Lord. You know, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. So you know, moral of the story: Agitprop it has its ups and downs. <laughs> I don't. I I guess up. There's one up, uh, and it was <laughs> and it was literacy. <laughs> and well, that's about it. Let's talk about some more ups. Let's talk about other. Oh props outside okay. of Soviet Russia. Oh, sure. I've never even considered those. Well, it's time to consider it, Kyle. Because prop has since, you know, in the years proceeding, has since broadened to refer to, as I said at the top, any kind of political propaganda disseminated through drama or art, etc. Mm. And similar to propaganda, the word prop can be used in a derogatory way, as in this quote from a Washington Post opinion piece on Tucker Carlson and the January 6th footage, mm -hmm. the journalist says, quote, it's obvious Carlson will selectively pick from footage to try to further obscure public memory of that day with confusion and agitprop. Ah, yes. So that would be a sort of negative view, but it can also be used neutrally, as in this quote from the Washington Times on the Bangkok protests, quote, thousands of young people challenged police in Bangkok's streets in 2020 with marches, satirical agitprop street theater, brawls, arson, and other acts. So that is more just like, this is a statement of fact. That's what they were doing. I don't think the journalist is using it insultingly. Okay. I don't know. I'm sorry. I I think the Washington Times is a conservative newspaper, so I, I wonder if there's maybe some bias there. But Sure. But I see how it can be used neutrally. But there are, yeah, yeah. And there are other quotes that, that use it in a more neutral way. Sure. It's just this is this is agitprop. It is it is agitational, yeah. and the prefix agit has extended even further. Agitpop, note the lack of an oh. R, oh. is sometimes used to refer to visual art or music that expresses radical or alternative political social ideas. Oh, and within music, agit can be applied to any genre to mean the same thing. So you could have agit rock or agit rap or agit punk, which I'm pretty sure is just punk. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I know. think agit punk is classical music. <laughs> agit punk is a tautology. <laughs> and there's one other thing I want to talk about. There was another word in Russian 
Agitpunkt, which literally meant agitation point and referred oh. to like a propaganda center, like a headquarters for the agitprop department. Mm-hmm. This seems to have given rise to a Korean word, agitu. And I want to establish quickly that I couldn't find a ton of information about this word because I am an English speaking American looking for Korean etymology. Mm-hmm. But according to the Doosan Korean Language Encyclopedia, Ajitu refers to, it means hideout, and it refers to a gathering place of underground movements that always move, keep their whereabouts unknown, and issue secret orders. That's really cool. Yeah. So that is more of like a rebel base. Yeah. Like <laughs> clandestine. Yeah. yeah. That's fun. Agitude. So, Kyle, agit and agitprop can describe authoritarian regimes or rebel movements, both outspoken and underground, all to equally great effect. Yeah, I mean, true. I think you're correct. Uh, absolutely. What a succinct word for encompassing kind of the emotional history behind <laughs> propaganda, um, but also uh, the intense feelings uh, that we move forward with. <laughs> Kyle, how about we wrap this up by using agitprop in a sentence? Yes, in a sentence, she says. Hmm. Just one sentence. <laughs> Just one sentence, not a whole diatribe, huh? <laughs> I wa- had a terrible time at the Christmas party. Uh-huh. Um, I was severely embarrassed and pictures of me were taken that I didn't want to get out. So I burned them <laughs> and disseminated my own agitprop, convincing <gasps> others that the party went a different way. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> so you went for the the, the Pravda social form of Agitprop. <laughs> yep. Kyle, Dose let's Vidania. Nope, let's play a game. Let's play a game. Kyle. The game today is called Beware the Hidden Portmanteau. Oh. So I don't know if you remember, Kyle, a while back in our Scorigami episode, we took apart the portmanteaus in the poem Jabberwocky. Mm-hmm. Full disclosure, what I wanted to do today was focus on political portmanteaus because Agitprop is one. And then I realized that the majority of political portmanteaus are, firstly, very easy to guess what the yeah. words are, and secondly, related to things that I don't want to think about. Fair. They're all, they're all sad. Fair, because you want to think about the Soviet Union. <laughs> so this is going to be a little less on theme. I've got a list of portmanteaus that you may or may not have known were portmanteaus, and I want you yeah. to tell me what words they blend. I think that's completely on theme, and I'm all for it. Sounds great. Kyle, your first portmanteau is dumbfound. It's not just dumb and found? It is dumb. Not found? I say this this other word is a synonym for dumbfound, I think. I've got no idea. It is confound. Wow. Yeah. That is so... Now that's a really good... Yeah. Portmanteau to me. Wow, that's so if good. If you are dumbfounded, then you are so confounded that you are struck dumb. That is such a great portmanteau. I love that. <laughs> nice. All right, your next one is snark. Oh, snark. I feel like I've looked into this one. It's s- snotty and nope. 
Joan of Arc. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> oh, God. Snippy and malarkey. <laughs> no, it malark, is. That's what we all say, right? <laughs> it is snide remark. Snide remark is a snark. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I like both of those. Those are good. Emily, you're delivering on your promise. I did not know these were portmanteaus. <laughs> well, the next one, you uh, might or might not. It's now time for the brand name edition, oh. Velcro. Oh. Yeah. I feel like I did know at some point. It's like it's fabric. It's like One of velvet, the words is a fabric. Yeah. Velvet. And the crow is Cro-Magnon. <laughs> <laughs> no. Cro- no, it's like... It relates uh, to how the, the, the attachment part of Velcro. Yeah, like about, like hooks, like... Uh, yep, yep. Crook. Hook and loop. You got it. Come on. Crook? No. <laughs> Hook and loop. Uh, it is crochet. Crochet. Yep. But you got velvet. Partial credit. So between between the three that we've done, you've got two correct. <laughs> I didn't get any. You got dumb and velvet. So those are two halves for one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got one of three is what you mean. Oh, you didn't get snark. That's right. No, you got one. I didn't. Well, you're worse yeah. than I thought, Kyle. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Kyle, I've got one more and I feel like we should get one political one in here. Please. Gerrymander. <gasps> I know that one. And I want the full. I want full here, Kyle, because okay, I knew you I were know this know one it. for full. Yeah. Okay. So, Elbridge Jerry, was that the guy? You got it, Kyle. What a horrible name. <laughs> it's a bad first, first name. First and last. <laughs> Elbridge Jerry. And? And uh, Salamander, because the district looked like a salamander. Yes. And there was a yeah. political cartoon that drew it to oh. look like a mythological salamander. It had like wings and a spiked tail. Yeah, now, I mean, now that I think about it, uh, a gerrymander could be a Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was it was like a journalistic commentary from like the 1800s on Elbridge Jerry, who was redrawing districts in his favor. And that's just how long we've put up with gerrymandering (laughs) in this country. Well, at least that's how long there's been a word for it. Probably longer. You're right. (laughs) So this is, hey, this has been a whole episode about why governments are bad. <laughs> Hope Down you liked with it. the government. <laughs> Emily, I loved it. And I'm positive that the patrons that listen to this episode are, one, either loved it, or two, are maybe a little confused about where we stand on the political spectrum. <laughs> and either is okay by me. Love to keep the... <laughs> Mass is guessing, you know? Keep them guessing. (laughs) Keep them guessing. Um, Between the last episode and this one, (laughs) you're really in a gray area. (laughs) Uh, If you have any complaints, uh, remember that you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast, and on TikTok at Butter No Parsnips no other <laughs> social media that we may have alluded to on this podcast no, are we on. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, and if you like today's episode, consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you heard us. And if you really like this episode, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips because 
we do got to be a little bit capitalist. Yeah. <laughs> Donating $5 or more earns you a shout out either on social media or right here on the podcast. Thanks so much to all of you. You help us make what we make. And with that, I've been Emily Moyers. And I've been Kyle Imperator. And this has been Butter No Parsnips. Photo No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Kyle Imperator, and myself, Emily Moyers. The main theme and accompanying themes were composed by Kyle Imperator.